with artists created and produced by Detlef Schlick, a visual artist and ritual designer, living and loving in West Cork, and best known for his essay about the cause and effect of shamanism, art and digital culture. Working in the field of performance, photography, painting, sound, installations, and film he will dive and discover with us and a weekly creative guest into the unknown and exciting deep ocean of the creative mind. This is Detlef Schlich. Today we dive into the deep and unknown, exciting ocean of our creative mind again. Yeah, hello everyone and welcome to Attitude episode 178. I'm your host Detlef Schlich and today we're embarking on a journey through time, tracing the fascinating origins and evolution of symbols. From cave walls to digital screens, symbols have always been our silent companions. We will explore the history of symbols in general, from their earliest known use in prehistoric cave paintings to their modern forms in our digital world. I'm quite excited to go with you on this journey in the next probably couple of episodes. I mean, uh, it's somehow funny. I, 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 may, I might explain just about how I came to it because I think uh, to understand, for me as well, where symbols are coming from is as well to understand where we're going, you know. So um, I take it like like from Marshall McLuhan's uh, idea, the, the medium is a message, you know. And uh, for me, it's fascinating how we, how we as human beings uh, develop and, and develop as well our, our brains, our brain develops, um, and we we create symbols and, and always and also in a sudden symbols become a meaning become meaningful, so uh, that's still for me fascinating and I still try to grasp that you know so that's that's for me as well the reason why I'm gonna do this research um, and I started to research the history in, uh, in symbols in general uh, just from from thirty thousand years ago until nowadays. And then I realized, hmm, wow, there is far more in it. So, uh, so I decided to to divide it in a couple of sections because I mean, sure, I could go now through in one episode through through everything, but um, I think in order to to understand that, is it maybe more uh, as well to understand how we can use this for for our um, inspiration in art in order to create art and how artists use this research and create new art with it, you know. So it is, I think, necessary that we're going to go through that a little bit slower. First of all, like always, I would really thank all the listeners who are gonna, going to go with me on, on, on this journey. The longer um, I'm going to do this podcast, then it's normal. The more, I mean, it, it goes, it, it, you get you, you, you get the more listeners and I'm quite happy for this really really uh eclectic and 
and open-minded community. So thanks everyone from America, Germany, Ireland, Japan, Europe in general, Argentina, Concordia, Buenos Aires, uh, Dallas, Colorado, Miami, um, North Hollywood, uh, um, the uh, uh, um, South Hollywood, San Francisco, uh, Vallejo, um, the Joshua Three Park, uh, where where the, the 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 Twenty Nine Palms, I think, is as well area is. Yeah, thank you, everyone. You know, I hope you're all well. And uh, let's dive in it soon. Uh, I just would like to to uh, um, update as well my own um, well doing. I mean, I'm now I'm living now a year over here in, on this in this new place, which is lovely. And uh, I mean, I'm just settled down. I would say somehow, you know, it, it took me a while. It was really, I mean, people who who were listening back to this podcast from exactly last year ago where I described my moving, my house moving, know what which emotional uh, journey I was going through. And um, I mean, I'm getting more and more uh, used to this place here and I really, I'm settling more down. My garden is, is becoming beautiful. And, and I mean, if you guys, if you want, I actually, I posted uh, an, an last weeks ago or I post always, some posts from the garden is going nicer and nicer. So uh, you can look it up on Instagram. It is uh, at Detschlich or at Artitude or at Isle of West Cork Artists or become member of the Isle of West Cork Artists group at Facebook you know, and, and share it with other people as well as sharing the podcast helps me as well or, or, or send a donation or, or whatever, you know, so... Uh, in order that I can continue with my research and and uh, that, that that we can can have this good time together too. But you don't have to. I mean, it's just if you just listen and maybe leave some comments. It this is uh, always very helpful and and it shows that um, that my work is appreciated and yeah, that's that's nice. You know, I mean, because I'm gonna do this research for myself as well and it helps me really to to address my artwork and inspires me a lot. So yeah, come and join some of these um, social media places or or all you know. So and uh, go with us in, on this journey in the 21st century. It's much appreciated. I'm in general happy as well that I'm having today not such an allergical reaction that my nose is closed and all that. Oh, but I must say, I, I just took an, an antihistamine pill. So uh, I hope I can get through this as good as possible. Yeah. So... I would say, uh, let's start a little bit so, so with, with our journey, you know, of of, um, of the use of symbols. When did it start? Yeah. So, so the use of symbols dates actually back to prehistoric times, and we call it Upper Paleolithic period. In this period, so this this earliest known symbols were found in the caves of Ascor in France and Altamira in Spain where our ancestors painted scenes of hunting and mythic creatures. And that's 30,000 years ago. 
So these paintings were not mere depictions of daily life, but were imbued with profound symbolic meaning, reflecting early humans' understanding of the world. So I mean, it's 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 really it's it's amazing to to um, imagine that uh, some people in caves already painted uh, uh, symbolic paintings and uh, they became the first artists no? which is great i mean I, I love rock art so that's that's for me that's and i love this 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 archaic arts you know there are several well-known examples of symbolic painting this roughly thirty thousand years ago i would like to introduce the places you know like i already mentioned the the, the case in las Cors in france they are perhaps uh the most famous examples. They contain a vast array of paintings, engravings and drawings. So the symbols and depictions of animals, humans and abstract signs provide us with a rich visual narrative that likely held significant symbolic value to the people who created them. If you're more interested in it, uh, you might maybe just um, look after. There's, there's a film about this cave. I think as well that this cave is closed and, and you can't get in anymore because in order to keep this these paintings there, you know. And I'm not sure about that. So, so there's another cave in the Adèche department of, of southern France. This is another significant site and uh, it's called the uh, the Chauvet Pont de Arc Cave. Chauvet Pont de Arc Cave. <laughs> so this cave holds some of the earliest known cave paintings estimated to be as old as 30 to 32 years as well. So the paintings depict various animals, um, including rhinoceroses, lions and bears, along with numerous handprints, geometric shapes and possible celestial symbols. You know, so so um, that's in, in the Ardèche department of southern France. Then there was another cave discovered in the late 19th century, and um, that's the Altamira cave in Spain. Um, it is another key location where ancient symbolic paintings have been found. The ceiling of the cave is famously adorned with striking images of bison. Bison, we say in German. The use of the natural contours of the rock to enhance the three-dimensional effect of the paintings demonstrates actually already a sophisticated understanding of technique and perhaps a symbolic interaction with the environment. So, that is um, in Spain. So, so, if you if you if you in Altamira, have a look. But there is still another cave. Um, that's the the cave of El Castillo. It's as well in Spain. And this uh, contains a panel of hands created by blowing or spitting pigment onto the wall and, and a red disc that was created by daubing the outline of a circular stencil. So um, uranium series dating of the formation overlying the disc indicates the painting is at minimum 40,800 years old. But it could be up to 5,000 years older, they say. You know, so what is so 40? thousand eight hundred years it's probably then one of the oldest what we found I mean, yes i mean these paintings while depicting seemingly straightforward subjects such as animals and human handprints likely carried profound symbolic meaning for the creators no? so so they can be seen as early attempts to communicate and and symbolize aspects of human experience beliefs and the natural environment
No? So it is really for me stunning to um, get with my imagination into this age, you know, and uh, I really feel some sometimes as well that I'm should I should belong into this time thirty thousand years ago. I mean, I have a, I must say I have I think strong genes, uh, DNA genes, which which are relying back to this time because when I work with with clay, for instance, um, and clay has as well a very contains a very old information. I mean, clay is a million of, millions of of years old, and if I work with clay, I feel very, very, very strong, and and I feel already this 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 information what clay gives me through the work with it. I mean, uh, even when I work with 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 other stuff, or even 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 when I talk about it, I'm I gonna feel um, very, very, very close to this. To this time, you know. This is so probably. I mean, there are many contemporary artists who draw inspirations from the Paleolithic period, you know. So as well, and they that are great artists. They really. They embrace this completely, you know. So there's, for instance, um, um, Jim Jim Denovan as an incredibly interesting artist. So, so he's uh, born in 1961 in Santa Cruz in California, and uh, best known for his for his large scale sand drawings and land art. So looking up Jim Jim Denovan, you know. So his uh, artistic process often involves hours of physical labor. So as he creates geometric shapes and patterns by raking directly into sand or ice or soil, his works are often temporary. So they disappear naturally due to the effect of tides, weather, or other environmental factors. This ephemeral nature of his art emphasizes the impermanence and ever-changing aspect of life and nature. His sand drawings can cover vast areas, some even visible from space, but despite their scale, they often possess a delicate, intricate beauty. So his designs range from simple circles and spirals to complex geometric forms as a, a reminiscence of prehistoric symbols or natural patterns. Um, the passion for sand drawing and land art came to Jim Denovan, he says, when surfing. So he he realized how the beaches were empty canvas and felt the appeal to fill the void. I mean, I, I, I remember as well, I did one, one artwork at the beach um, where, and I didn't know um, Denovan, you know, and uh, it is amazing. I mean, you can do a lot of art on your own over there, you know. So just, uh, yeah, just get inspired by it, you know. In March 2010, Denovan was commissioned by the Anthropologist, which is an English language academic journal, to create a large scale drawing on Lake Baikal. So the drawing is the world's largest single artwork. And there's a documentary of the journey, an artwork called 
Art Heart. Art Heart was released in 2011, so if, you, if you're interested in it. So, um, and the short version of the film was premiered in a lot of lot of film festivals, like for instance Hamptons International Film Festivals and uh, Carmel Art and Film Festival and uh, Milwaukee and, and and you name it. Uh, but uh, yeah, but his work is not solely confined to the outdoors. He also creates smaller scale drawings and sculptures. Um, and has even ventured into the culinary arts, hosting large-scale farm-to-table dining events in extraordinary locations um, through his project called Outstanding in the Fields, for instance. Um, the world's largest single artwork on Lake Baikal in Siberia. So he's using just the broom and, and the natural eyes and he crafted an intricate pattern spanning over nine miles in diameter. So it is a, it is a testament to both his artistic vision and uh, um, physical endurance, I would say. Oh, well. However, I mean... His art echoes the primal human instinct to create and to to interact with this natural environment, which is always a theme that resonates strongly with the earliest human artworks, such as Paleolithic cave paintings and petroglyphs I already mentioned. So his work speaks to the deep and during connection between human and the earth. So a relationship that transcends time and culture always, again, again, and again. I mean, it's... It's amazing. Um, look him up. A very interesting artist. I mean, I'm happy that I came along um, with him through my research. Another one who is who is somehow similar but but um, very unique as well is um, I mean probably a lot of um, art students love him and and um, copy him, especially here in Ireland. He's well known. He's, he's um, it's Andy Goldsworthy. Is a artist who deserves really an extended look. So he's born in fifty six, nineteen hundred fifty six, in Cheshire in England. And uh, he's sculptor, photographer, and um, especially environmentalist who creates site specific land art. It's a very it's a, it's a term in art, site-specific land art. You, you might come more often across it as well. So his work is deeply rooted in the, in the natural world, making use of materials found locally, such as rocks, leaves, flowers, sand, and even ice and snow, like Denevin. No? So, so Goldworthy's work is characterized by its uh, transient and delicate nature, and is mostly ephemeral, with his sculptures often decaying, melting, or even collapsing shortly after the completion. This aspect of his works reflects his deep understanding and respect for the process of nature, its cycles of growth, decay, and regeneration. So his creations range from simply arrangements. Arrangements, we say in English, arrangement is French, and we, we actually we say in German, we say as well, um, Arrangement. So, arrangements, arrange, arrange, 
arrangements of leaves or stones to um, monumental landscape interventions. Yet, no matter how large or small, his works always maintain a sense of fragile beauty and a deep connection to the specific place and time of their creation. Um, maybe one of his most famous works is the River Stones series, in which he stacks or arranged stones in and around bodies of water, creating a dynamic interaction between the static stones and the flowing water. Uh, it's you must see it. It's great. It's, it's beautiful. So another significant project is Rain Shadows, where he lies down on the ground before and during rainfall. Uh, so then photographs the dry shadow he leaves behind. Rain shadows. Very good idea, I think. Uh, he also creates more permanent installations, often by manipulating the landscape or by using more durable materials like stone walls or wooden paths. I mean, however, even these works are designed to change over time, being slowly reclaimed by the natural environment. Oh. His approach to art has a profound spiritual aspect. It's often seen as a form of meditation or communion with nature, and it reflects a deep commitment to the environment and a desire to understand our place within it. You know? um, so we see, so his work, like the cave paintings of our ancestors, serves as a reminder of the essential relationship between humans and the natural world. It is a connection that stretches back to the earliest days of, of human history. It is. And uh, it's really worth to, to look him up. Uh, um, Andy, Goldsworthy, Andy Goldsworthy, sorry. Um, you might find as well, probably already on, on YouTube, um, a, a video of him. I might maybe put the link in the description. If I... I Look, look it up. I mean, do a little bit of research on your own. It is always inspiring to do some own research. There's another artist called uh, um, Anna Mendieta. She's already dead, unfortunately. So she was an extraordinary artist uh, whose work continues to resonate with audiences today. Uh, she was born in Cuba in in Cuba in, in 1948. Uh, so again, Cuba is the German word, and Cuba is then the, the English pronounced. So, so sorry for my sometimes um, juggling from German to English and back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, Mendieta, she was sent to the United States as a child already, as part of um, Operation Petrol Pan which was a, a program that airlifted children out of Cuba of Cuba, to protect them from the country's political instability. Um, this early displacement had a profound impact on Mendieta and is a recurring theme in her work, which often addresses issues of home, belonging and identity. But... Um, Mendieta, Anna Mendieta, is best known for her, her Earth Body artwork. 
And this is a term she coined to describe her unique blend of land art, body art and performance. As well here, she's using her own body, the natural world and sometimes even fire. She created visually stunning and deeply emotional works. The thought to explore her connection to the earth and her own sense of displacement. In her Silhouetta series from, 70, from 1973 to 1980, uh, Mendieta would create silhouettes of her body in outdoor landscapes, filling them with natural materials such as leaves, twigs, flowers, and mud, or creating them with fire or gunpowder. So, so the resulting images are hauntingly beautiful. They evoking a sense of the body's impermanence and its deep connection to the earth. It is really amazing. I mean, uh, ah, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna get goosebumps. Um... Another compelling aspect of her work is her exploration of ancient spiritual practices and symbols because she was she was particularly drawn to the Afro-Cuban religion of Santeria as well as prehistoric and indigenous cultures. Her Roprestrian sculptures series, for example, they involve carving ancient goddess figures into cave walls in Cuba, connecting her work to ancient artistic practices and spiritual beliefs. Anna Mendieta's work is considered as a powerful expression of longing and connection, um, exploring themes of displacement, identity, and the sacredness of nature. Uh, I would say despite her death in 85, her artistic legacy continues to inspire and in, um, influence artists worldwide, uh, offering a profound exploration of humanity's connection to the natural world. Much like the cave artists of the Paleolithic area, look her up. I mean, so um, these three artists they 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 give they give us actually a very good idea how you can get inspired by by this area already. You know, by by looking up this time, by getting inspired um, from from this um, Paleolithic era. I would still would like to to mention maybe just short Jean Michel Basquiat. Uh, he is may actually more known, better known uh, as as um, discovered by by Andy Warhol. While his work is more often associated with graffiti and primitivism, some of Basquiat's pieces uh, they echo the raw visceral quality of cave paintings with their bold lines, vibrant colors, and primitive figures. So. Looking up, you might know, you might understand what I mean. You know, as a, I mean, even even if you see his, his colorful, vivid paintings, you might get really uh, inspired and taking a brush and a canvas and start working, start painting. As well, there's there's for instance Zarina Bimji. As uh, it's Z A R I N A. B H I M J I Zarenya Bimji. Um, her work often includes uh, references to ancient, ancient art and cultures, including cave paintings, in a way to connect past and present, um, and to explore themes of migration, identity, and belonging. It's just a just namer. Um, I mean, look her up. It's a uh, It gives you as well an idea. Uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat is spelled Jean-Michel, 
and um, the sure name is B-A-S-Q-U-I-A-T. Anna Mendieta is Anna, A-N-A, M-E-N-D-I-E-T-A. Andy Goldsworthy is Andy and Goldsworthy. It's quite easy. Jim Denevan is quite easy as well. D-E-N-E-V-A-N. Um, so, so I would say, so as we have explored in this episode, the uh, Paleolithic area, Uh, which is a period both remote and intimately connected to our human roots, continues to inspire and shape contemporary artist practice. Absolutely, you know, artists like Denevan Goldsworthy and Mendieta, each in their own unique way, draw from the primal essence of these ancient symbols and the profound connection our ancestors had with nature. Um, their works serve as a reminder that despite this passage of millennia, we are still intrinsically tied to our past to the rhythms of nature and to the universal human impulse to create and communicate through art um, however let's not forget that the interpretation of paleolithic inspired art as with all art is subjective and can differ greatly among individuals these artists provide an intriguing look at how the distant past can still inform and and influence contemporary artistic expression so uh, I hope this inspired you a little bit. And uh, I really loved this research. I hope I didn't bore you too much with it. And uh, tune in to our next episode, Attitude 179, where we will journey further into the realm of symbols and we will focusing on the Neolithic era and the artists it continues to inspire which is um, around um, 6,000 BC. I will go now into the garden. We'll work a little bit there. I mean, the flowers, they're coming, and it is getting really, really beautiful. We have today great weather. Uh, I will take my bicycle. Maybe going to go to the beach later as well. I still have to, to do some promotion work for other things, and, and, and. Uh, I would say, until then... Keep exploring, stay curious, and continue to appreciate the power of art in all its forms, guys. Um, it can make life more lively and inspiring. And I would say on this note, I wish you all a lovely, 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 lovely time. And uh, we catch up next week, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock to the um, early confessions. Um, are not actually early confessions because I currently don't have anyone with me who can confess, but this will come back. So, But currently I'm, I'm a little bit on my my research trip, which I like, which, which is nice. I mean, write your ideas in the comments. Um, I still have to read out actually a, a couple of questions, but uh, for today it, it might be good. And if you have a question, put it in the comment and I'll try to answer it and uh, until then I wish you all a lovely time stay cool take care bye bye you're dead ciao ciao you have listened to Artitude West Cork's first art fashion and design podcast
RT2'd, never so close again. Ah! That was too close.